practical Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdainig. Hello, hello, and a very good evening to you. You're welcome along to the Arts Show. Coming up this evening, in just a few minutes, we'll meet musician Patrick McLean. And then a little later on in the show, we'll be talking to local actress Murrin Highland about the highs and lows of acting as a career choice. We'll also be reminding you of a couple of great gigs coming up in Carlo and Kilkenny over the next week or so. And we'll be celebrating the great Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi, whose birthday falls on today's date. So all that to come before seven o'clock this evening. But first up, we have our Artist in Profile segment. And this week, it's the turn of sculptor Robert Dunn. My name is Robert Dunn. My practice is sculptural. I work mostly with plaster. Uh, My work is informed by our made uh, and lived in environments. I'm originally from North Kilkenny, Monroe, Castlecomer. Um, In terms of being urban or rural, uh, I suppose it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really come into my practice um, in terms of subject matter or inspiration. My practice looks at our made environments. um, And as we all live in kind of similar interiors, we shop at the same multinational chains, IKEA, etc. We buy products from the same multi, um, by the same uh, manufacturers. So I don't think, you know, it really has uh, has that big of a uh, of an influence. Um, I suppose the, 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 the real kind of defining factor of, of living in, in Kilkenny is it affords me a place that I've, I've set up as a studio. Um, and it's important that I have work lying around. Um, obviously, if I'm if I'm sculptural, I have, you know, machinery, so, uh, uh, materials, that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I need a place that I can set up and I, I can leave work there and kind of come back to it. Um, a key point of my career was, I suppose, um, I started making work. I, I had given up making work for a while um, and I just got back to, to making work. Um, to, to, be, to be quite honest, it was just to, to make stuff for, for a house at home um, and... Uh, I started posting some of that stuff on social media and maybe after about a month or there, thereabouts, um, I was contacted by a gallery in Houston, Texas to, to show some work there. Um, and shortly after that, then I was offered a solo show in a gallery in Milan. Um, so And then I suppose things took off a little bit from there. I got into the RHA. I was kind of highlighted by Diana Copperwhite. She had kind of picked out maybe about 10 to 15 works from that particular show when I was one of those artists um, and things just kind of, kind of moved on from there um, what's it like being an artist in Kilkenny I think it's good there's a good cross section of artists um, we have curators living in the city um, we have the Butler Gallery we have the visual in Carlow is only a short distance away short drive Um in terms of my work, um, my work reflects the places where we live, um, the things that are in them, the things we use, the mundane, the mundane things that we don't even see anymore. Um, but I think there's this residual kind of memory that we all have of, of these items, you know, and I'm, I think of kind of radiators, um, draining boards, you know, the things you, you really don't see but have been designed. Um, these objects, I suppose, that I'm, use, I'm loosely referencing uh, are made for human use and, and they are designed to relate to us in some way by their function or texture or by their scale or by how we handle them. They appeal to our sense, to our senses in some way and in that con- context, 
I suppose they're vignettes of us, of our time or our context. And I suppose I'm playing with these references to half familiar objects, taking them out of context, making them more relatable to a sense of materiality. And I suppose that's why a lot of my work is left fairly raw. You know, I leave pencil marks where things maybe didn't work out and that kind of thing. And so I'm presenting these things which are traces or remnants of things that that are half familiar. And I I suppose I would like the viewers to kind of project their own contexts and associations and memories. Uh, The most rewarding thing for me as an artist, I suppose, is I know it's a cliche, but, uh, you know, it it is something that I love to do. Um, I feel lucky that it encompasses lots of different aspects of what I love. Um, I'm thinking problem solving, the physical act of making and actually working, you know, hands on with materials. in terms of, uh, you know, giving somebody ad- advice or who, who may be interested in artists, I think it's, it's really important to allow yourself the space to really look at what your interests are. I mean, and I suppose that's how I came back to it, um, was just to give myself that space and that freedom. You know, I, I suppose a lot of art colleges is about, you know, looking at artists' work. And, and I, I think that's probably good, too. Um, but then there, there's a, there is a stage or a point where you really have to kind of find your own voice. Some good advice there from Robert Dunn, our artist in profile. We'll be meeting Robert actually next week in studio and we'll be meeting Patrick McGlynn, musician, in just a couple of moments. He's coming up right after this. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Inany Valdenig. And I am joined, as promised, by Patrick McGlynn, musician and composer from Kilkenny. Patrick, you're welcome to studio. My Take apologies. Two. <laughs> Take two, exactly. That's how we do it. That's how all the great musicians do it, isn't it? Yeah. Patrick, when I say musician, I think people might have the impression that you're here with the spoons or maybe a tin whistle. But actually, you're, <laughs> yes, you are Dr. Patrick McGlynn sure. and your musical journey has gone down quite an academic path, hasn't it? Yeah, in in places, it's uh, I, I very much resonated with uh, what Robert was just saying there in the excerpt about like we go away and we learn and we consume um, all of this information when we're hungry and curious about art, when we're hungry about something that we want to make. And I think a great process of developing your own artistic voice is kind of learning how to forget all that again and discover, you know, your own voice uh, aside from all these things and distinct from all the things that you've learned on the way to. That's really interesting. So the curiosity leads you somewhere that can dominate maybe your inspiration thereafter. Yeah, I, I think so. And I'm not knocking education. I'm an educator. I love it. But also it's it's kind of interesting in this day and age to see that um, if you wanted to learn, for example, to produce drums or host a fabulous radio show, you could go on and see thousands of hours worth of videos of people pertaining to show you the best possible way to do that. And I think that can be kind of suffocating because you kind of, uh, you might think that there's this quest to find the right way to do things, the right way to express yourself. And um, often it's just that bit of space, like Robert just said there, taking a bit of space to listen to yourself and to find your own little curiosity uh, again. Yeah. And it's not losing that little kernel. But interestingly mm. enough, I could, if I could just tell our listeners what your thesis, you you got a, a scholarship, I believe, in 2009 to do a PhD. Yes. Yeah. And your PhD, your, your doctorate was interaction design for digital musical instruments. And it was presenting a new conceptual frameworks and software for musical interface design. I'm already lost. But <laughs> the point I was going to make is sometimes technology, I suppose, can do so much that 
it maybe overcomplicates what can be very simple beauty in the aforementioned spoons or taking music right down to its most basic level, can't it? Well, actually, yeah, that's... God, I haven't heard that name in a while. The thesis title. Hello, <laughs> old friend. To 2009. <laughs> I actually, to break it down, what I was speaking about in that is not a million miles away from what you're saying. Um the, the kind of curiosity of, say, materials and everyday things and the kind of sounds that we encounter around us, that's kind of what my, my research was about. It was looking at, um, for example, with a guitar or a stringed instrument, the harder you strum it, the louder it sounds, which is just physics. You know, we want a quieter sound. We put less energy into it and we play it more gently. But when it comes to digital music making tools from like keyboards to all sorts of different things, the connections that we have between what our gestures are and what the sound is are completely arbitrary and designed. Like somebody decided that mixing desk in front of you there that up is loud, you know, but that doesn't have to be the case. You know, you could confuse every engineer in the world by putting it the other way. But we have these kind of associations with the objects we interact with. Mm -hmm. And what my research was about was breaking those apart a little bit. So I was making a lot of music making tools with um, touch screens, with motion controllers, with accessibility devices and things that aren't ordinarily musical tools. And that kind of, that allows us to kind of jump outside of these ideas that we have about what music is and what sound is and, and how we can create it and relate to it. But I guess a very snobby, purist attitude might say that that isn't music, that what comes from my hand or my voice without all the razzmatazz and the tech and all that stuff that you studied so long and so hard to produce amazing sounds, some people would perhaps not consider that to be music in its purest form. Oh, yeah. Great. And they, they can consider all they like. That's the beauty <laughs> of art. There are no right answers, you know. And I'm always interested to have these um, to have these discussions because it really gets to the core of what people feel about agency, you know? Are you allowed to express yourself uh, musically if you've just picked up this instrument for the first time versus somebody who's had it in their hand since they were five and have toured the world, you know? And I I think that the um, the same argument has been made for centuries. They said the same about the piano forte. They're like, this isn't the same, you know? And being able to have dynamic range in the piano has been responsible for romantic piano music and for so much of the Western canon that I'm not even qualified to talk about, you know. But, but do you yeah. meet that sort of snobbery, though? Um, I think it's funny when you're in an academic sphere, you often get it because people are they're in a mind of um, inquiry and interrogation. And I, do, I don't mean that in an intimidating way, but people are trying to discern these ideas and, and take and take a scalpel to them and pull them apart and analyze them. Um, and you know, people are more likely to ask those questions because it's kind of, it's it's intellectual play. Mm-hmm. You know, you're tossing a ball around and stuff. Um, but I have to say, since um, working as a freelance artist and doing things like sound installations or performances or interactive art, which is mainly what I've been doing for the past number of years, people are more inclined to be curious and delighted and excited by the possibilities that technology can open up. Okay, and, it's new, yeah. it's exciting, it's, it's yeah. sexy, dare I say. Could I ask you, do you ever pick up, I don't know what instruments you, you play, but do, do you ever go back to that simple form of production and a little add-on, just in case that wasn't enough for you, do you think sometimes you miss that, that just very simply playing something or listening to something? Oh, all the time, yeah. And uh, all the time I miss it and all the time I do it, I... 
I play piano mainly. Um, I sing as well, and I, I'm I love picking up different unfamiliar instruments. I have a couple of flutes and things that I play, but um, for me. The, the beautiful moment with any instrument, no matter what is involved, whether it's technology based or computers or something as simple as a kind of a found percussion object. Um, the real beautiful moment is when you cease to kind of notice the interaction that you're doing and it just becomes you and the sound and the kind of bit in the middle vanishes, mm. you know, and we do this all the time when interacting with everyday objects, you know, when in our house, kind of appliances and, um, Something as simple as even, you know, the way we pick up a pen and write and control that. And that kind of dissolving of the self into what you're doing and that state of flow, that's possible with so many different tools for so many different people. And um, yeah, for me, an art of simplifying it and taking it back and trying out these new ways of making sound is, is a way of reaching that state and getting lost in it. Okay, let's check out some of those sounds that you produce. Now, I've, I've picked out two little pieces of music that you, and it's a lucky dip that I picked from, so you've no idea what's coming. So I'm going to play a little bit of this, and then maybe after I've played it, you can talk us through the production of it or, or tell us a bit about it. Sure. Okay, I'm going to rudely fade you down. Please. You. So tell us what that track is. That is That's It um, from the Dr. Mindflip album How Are You Fixed which uh, came out last year Okay and tell us what was the inspiration behind that and what kind of sound am I listening to can you break that down for somebody that needs a bit of help (laughs) Um, Well uh, Dr. Mindflip is my artist name and my stage name and the kind of character that comes out in a lot of the vocal music I made so you're hearing me singing and playing piano and synths there um, with a host of other very talented musicians and um the inspiration for Dr. Mindflip songs is kind of, it's kind of just letting it all hang out, really, and letting the emotion flow. And, um, and kind of just, yeah, there's something very theatrical about it. And when it's performed live, there's a lot of costume involved, a lot of audience interaction and, um, you know, masks and quacky characters. But, um, for me, that didn't come, that didn't come about first. <laughs> How do I describe it? The first time I put, I, I was writing this kind of music on piano and it tended to just rubber band between all these different genres, kind of bluesy stuff, electronic stuff, proggy stuff, all sorts of things. And it has this kind of goldfish attention span when I write music and I just go with the flow and it comes out. And when I played it live for the first time, it was off-putting as a performer because it was like, hello, Una, uh, nice to meet you. Um, here's a song. And then this crazy music would happen. And there was a kind of a disconnect. Yeah, between, because the persona wasn't really you, was it? No, no. And the, it, it was kind of awkward. And then one time playing a concert, um, somebody painted myself and the other musicians' faces beforehand and something changed. And then I was like, ah, oh, this is what we're missing, right? So Dr. Mindflip was like, oh, Dr. Mindflip, maybe, maybe he's a man, you know, maybe he's a, maybe he's me. <laughs> so you created him from there. But isn't that the classic thing of the performer not really wanting to bring themselves, but wanting to bring something else? We'd usually associate that with an actor, I think, more mm. so maybe than a musician where we expect them to bear a bit more of their soul or maybe their songs do that for them and they have no choice. I, th- I think it's a bit of both, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. I suppose with, with an actor, we're under no illusion that, um, you know, that isn't actually Sherlock Holmes. That's Benedict Cumberbatch pretending to be. We know this, right? Um, but 
with a musician are, um, I think particularly with music um, in Ireland, I suppose, we have this very naturalistic idea about musical performance and about talent where, oh, you know, he was born with a guitar in his hand and isn't he great there? And Usher, sing us something there. And we, even if you spend thousands of hours preparing something, you kind of have to do the thing of, uh, ah, no, no, I couldn't. Usher, I haven't picked this up in a while. And then somebody takes out something that is clearly very important to them. But there's this strange kind of thing. It's like refusing a cup of tea two or three times before saying yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, it's like, oh, no, I I couldn't, I couldn't. Um, And I think all of that is some strange performance that, that we want to dissociate ourselves from what's going on that to make it a really natural thing like so it's a false modesty yeah but i, I think i think it's a shield in the same way as my costumes are like th- those give me permission it's it's, it's like dumbo with the feather mm. in the disney movie like it gives you permission to fly and to do what you want um for me it might be having this crazy persona or these big concepts in the music um, that lets me fly and explore and invite people in to play. And that's really what I want to do. It's not some grand statement. I want to be playful and have people get connected with that when they're in a performance with me, you know? Yes, I love that. And, you know, I also I have a brother who, and I, he won't mind me saying this, he's a terrible singer, but to say that he does not do the, oh, no, 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 he sings whenever there is the smallest window and he really shouldn't. So I guess there are, <laughs> there are all types. I'm going to take a little break, but you sure. might stay with us, Patrick. We might bring in Murrening because she's an actress. So I'd love you to have a little chit chat. Oh, pleasure. Yep. Art in all its forms. I think that could be a really interesting conversation. So we'll be back right after this. With thanks to Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdenig. It is The Art Show. I'm here in the studio. It's filling up. We've been chatting with Patrick McLean, musician, and we've been joined in studio by Murin Highland. Murin is an actress. Murin, welcome to studio. Thank you very much, Una. But it's strange to hear Highland because people in Kilkenny know me as Murin Ryan. You know, I saw that and I wondered, mm-hmm. did you double barrel? And then I said, I'm giving you your maiden name. <laughs> that's what you're getting. But it's it's Murin Ryan. Murin Ryan is my maiden name. Yeah. So, oh, that's your maiden yeah, name. Oh, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah. I beg so, your pardon. Excuse right. me. So you have the double. Oh, excuse me. You were getting acquainted with Patrick there. And I think you go back a little bit, do you? Well, yeah, I I knew I recognised him. By the way, Una, what amazing guests you have. I was just really tuned into both of the gentlemen. Um, really, they resonate what they're saying about art and about space um, and about losing yourself in it. It just absolutely resonates with me. So um, what a beautiful thing to be listening to. Isn't, aren't we very privileged to have this space to talk yeah. about the arts? But when I knew you'd be out there trying to jump in through the glass. <laughs> so I said, she's got to come in on this conversation. Was there well, anything that Patrick said that you wanted? Because you're a singer as well, aren't you? Yes. Oh, God, I do loads of things. Um, but singing is one of the things. And actually, it was Patrick's mum who encouraged me to sing as a kid. Wow, yeah. Patrick's mum was a <laughs> teacher who um, taught with my mum. And uh, she had such a great smile in a way about her that we, she encouraged everybody to sing and be creative. And she was one of those um, teachers, I guess, that you knew could see who you really are. You know, she was that kind of gift, I think. But um, anyway, sorry, I digress. But OK, what mm. was Patrick saying that? <laughs> oh, everything he said. And, you know, what I loved about it was the 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 space where we lose ourselves and become almost effortless and uh, um, I guess melt into what we're doing you know if you're the dancer how do you um, extract the dancer from the dance it becomes one it's same when when I sing a song that I know in my bones the song I'm not singing the song the song is singing me Um, and it's likewise in in acting when I approach a character or a scene or if I'm really in it 
okay, I can understand what the character needs, what she wants, what she's looking for, what she's doing, what's been happening to her. I can understand all that emotionally, intellectually. But until I absolutely surrender myself to that experience, I am not re, I feel I am not truly doing my job. Um, and quite, and point in case at the moment, I'm filming a TV series for German TV. Um, it's a German Irish film, um, film TV series. They seemingly they do two big movies, uh, a year. And this is their fifth year to do it. So I'm in the, f- 10th film. That's my character. It's a small part. And is this in German? Um, it, no, it's actually in English, but it's for German television. And the lead character, wait for this, the lead character, fabulous um, actress from Luxembourg, she speaks German and the rest of us speak English. And then later on in post, they will dub it. OK, so anyway, so I have no idea what she's saying. Well, I, well, I do. I understand you. German, but I also um, uh, we have the English version of the script. OK, too, yeah, yeah. And she's fabulous. And uh, it's a fabulous set. But anyway, my part is she her in the script, it says weeping whilst doing a job. So uh, I was supposed to film that last week and then they ran out of time. They ran out of light. So we're filming it next week. So since last week, I've been getting onto my old acting coaches to help me because I am finding it difficult to surrender myself to the absolute nth of the weeping. And that's my job at the end of the day to absolutely surrender to that emotion. But it's really hard. I mean, it's possibly one of the most difficult things that, that you're called on to do as an actor. Well, it is and it isn't. If you buy into into the situation of the character, it should be effortless. If you totally and utterly buy into it. And in the past, I've bought into it. And the scenes beforehand, yes, I've been visibly upset and emotional and, I, and the director was very pleased with what I did. But I could see on the script weeping. Oh, Jesus. Now, I, excuse me, I should have said that on here. Anyway, I, so I'm there and I'm thinking I'm getting myself ready for this and I'm buying into everything. But I wasn't able to really push myself off that cliff, you know. Okay. And I'm still working on it. Well, you, I no doubt but that you'll get there. But <laughs> what you said earlier really brought me to, you know, the classic description of doing what you're meant to be doing when mm-hmm. you're in, is it in the flow or in flow and mm-hmm. everything just feels right yeah. and you're in the moment. Yeah. I wanted to ask both of you, but I might come to you first, Patrick. When did you, well, I assume you feel that when you're producing music and when did you know that that's where you had to go with your life? Um, That's... That's, yeah, that's, that's a rather easy one, actually. Um, there, there was, I had an old tape recorder, uh, that found its way from a school into the house at some stage, um, that I used to just love playing with. I used to make little radio shows and talk all these little characters to myself. And, um, and I had a little mini Casio keyboard that I used to play jingles on. Again, when I was a kid, like mithering everybody with this. Um, but, I kind of kept playing with that kind of stuff. And when I got into making music with computers in in my teens, I'd kind of look up from doing something and it'd suddenly be three or four in the morning. And mm. and, and it would just be gone. The time was gone completely. Um, and that still tends to happen It's Amazing. when I'm working on stuff. And that was the thing. I never actually questioned whether this would be a viable career or whether it would be a you know, a sensible thing or a noble thing or a selfish thing to do to pursue making things for people. But um, it was that sense of just getting lost in it mm. uh, and losing all the time. And I felt, well, this is obviously clicking into something yes. primal in me that wants to keep going. And um, I, I just kind of took that as a given and I, I stopped analysing it after that. Which is probably the best the best thing to do. Yeah, and, and you said earlier on as well, Patrick, about that sense of play as well. I think 
when you look at toddlers, there's kids playing and when they're truly playing, they're lost in that. Mm. They, they don't hear you calling them for dinner. They don't, they're in that zone. And for me, that's what performance is about, is about the sense of play. And if I don't have that sense of presence to the play, then... It's nothing. But I want to ask you both, I, I keep lining up 10 questions. How can I get them out fast enough? But you've spoken about the very positive parts of, of producing the art that you both produce. But do you ever get to the point where you think, like the weeping, for example, or like meeting one snob too many in the music scene, do you ever think, you know what, I'm out of this? Mm. Have you ever come close to that, either of you? Oh, yeah. My, my, <laughs> my husband um, jokes. Well, every... Every couple of months, I'll say, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. It's like being in an abusive relationship. Mm. And they're saying no to me all the time. Well, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm going to give this up. As I can do other things, I'm going to give this up. And he'll start laughing and say, oh, babe, yeah, that means you're going to get some work soon. And it, it invariably happens. Whenever. Does it really? Mm. Yeah, it does. It is does. that the universe telling you, stay where you are, Well, girl? that's what I feel. That's, yeah. I mean, I remember the day I used to teach and I remember the day I handed in my notice for the first job I had and... Um, the principal was like, please stay, please stay. I said, no, I can't, can't. I'm too young for this permanent pensionable job. I can't do it. And I walked down the corridor. He was very upset with me. I walked down the corridor and where the letters had arrived for teachers, there was a letter from me, very unusual, and it was an offer from a job from another school teaching music. And I hadn't been teaching music in this school and that I wanted to. And I just saw that as a sign of, you know what, when you actually follow your heart and be authentic and do your thing, the universe provides for Mm. you. And I've been very lucky like that recently. When, when I was offered this role in this German TV thing, I was also in line for um, a TV commercial. And my agent said to me, um, well, now the problem is now the dates are clashing. And I said, I want to do TV. I want to do film. I Like the ads are great when they come because they are very lucrative. But yes. actually, my artist soul <laughs> needs to be in a collaborative, spa- collaborative space with others, you know, creating. Oy, but it's hard, hard, isn't it? Because <laughs> what pays well, I mean, let's be honest about it. We need a lot of help if we want to make a living from art. You need either a lot of luck or somebody to give you a little leg up along the way. And if those things don't come, many, many people just fall out of it. Well, I whilst I do OK with my 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 acting work and my ads, I, I have done well. I, there's no way I could survive or mind my two children. I mean, I... I my husband, we're true partnership. We've, we've a company. I could also go back teaching if I wanted to. Yes. I, I teach yoga. I was teaching yoga this morning. Um, I, I run a choir like this. You have to be inventive. You have to be adaptive and you have to um, keep your head above water. Mm. You know, you do. That's the reality. That's the reality. And, and actually, I think some people just realise, no, I can't do this anymore. And they opt out, which I have done almost many times. But you've never gotten there. Patrick, what about you? Have you ever had that coming close to saying bye-bye? I'm oh, here. 100%. Yeah. But like this morning. <laughs> really? Um, well, like, yeah, it, it's a constant. It's it's more of a relationship that you have with that part of yourself, I think. Um, and... Yeah, there are there are fantastic supports. The arts office here have been wonderful. Um, discovering like community in places. Um, I was I was awarded a bursary to go to Tyrone Guthrie Centre over the summer. There, that was an amazing reconnection with something for me, and just being in the presence of other people who get it right. And this all probably sounds very kind of nose in the air, high minded kind of a thing. But it, it's really, really simple thing. I was sitting down to just have dinner every evening with writers um, of fiction, uh, writers for theatre, 
visual artists, printmakers, people working with more physical media, musicians. And it wasn't that I was surrounded by a room full of musicians who were trying to make stuff for, for my stay there. That would be hell. I would want to, like, if everyone was sitting down and talking about their craft, if, if you were sitting down with a group of actors uh, to talk about self-taping every night mm-hmm. at your day, it would be agony. But it, it wasn't that we were sharing something specific to our craft. Um, it was this, we, we, we just knew what you were talking about, that struggle, that kind of um, constant self-doubting and I should just fire in a CV to a local cafe, restaurant, supermarket, something, and just just switch off that part of my brain that has to constantly be kind of paying attention to where's the next gig going to come from or how am I going to reinvent this or prove that. It's hustling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's something that sounds, I was trying to find another word, but I don't have one. You know, it's... Isn't um, it very stressful as well, though? Let's mm, not minimise that. It is quite stressful not knowing where your next gig is coming from or or for for your ego to take that constant rejection that, yes, people tell you it comes with the territory as soon as you let it go and accept jobs will come your way and that's all well and good but it's also a bit bruising for the ego mm. let's be honest mm, absolutely yeah you get you have to have a really close relationship with that part and it's a bit like that um i feel like it's a bit like that that book the depression allegory the black dog are you familiar with that one yes no, it's, it's a picture book of that yeah, yeah yes. I, I, that is the yes, book yeah yes. and it's um it's it's not that the dog is dispensed with or like you know, sent away or banished or exorcised or shot or whatever. The dog is kind of just reconciled with. And this this person, the character in the book, um, who has suddenly just found themselves in the company of this big oppressive animal, um, they they kind of try all these different ways to silence it and push it away, but they just can't. And anybody who's struggled with depression or anxiety or mental health issues has ha- knows exactly why this is so true. But um, the kind of resolution at the end is that you almost make friends with it, that there's a mutual respect for this part of it, you know? So the uncertainty in in the best moments is really liberating. It's like, yes. I didn't know I'd get that letter mm. that day in the school, you know? Um, it, it can just as easily kind of like wreck you if you're not in the form for it. Yes. And this is why I think the most crucial thing is the community. Yes, I was just going to say that. Just being able to share that experience where somebody just goes, yeah, I get it. I've had that. Yeah, or, yeah. oh, filling out uh, funding applications. Yeah. Yes, that is difficult. Mm-hmm. And I am stressed. And that acknowledgement of just community is absolutely life-saving. And the community get, like, they just don't get you. They also encourage you. There's a wonderful mm. woman here, Aisha, who does a lot of creative theatre work. And she'll always text, she'll text me every now and then. She goes, so what creativity are you doing, darling? I'm like, ah, no. She's keeping okay. you on your toes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm folding my laundry neatly. Is that creative enough? Or, it can be. But, but, but I was just going to say that that, mm. for me, rescues me in those dark moments. The, I find creative creativity in the small things. I'll bake cakes with the kids or I'll get out my watercolours or um, I'll get out the guitar, which I haven't got out in a while. You know, I'll, I'll find things to feed because it's very difficult to sustain yourself with your own stuff all the time. You need to kind of, I feel for me anyway, I have to take bits and pieces from the other aspects of my life. I'm yes. going to ukulele class later on today, you know. Oh, so fabulous. it's all these things just to feed that artistic soul. Yes, but I mean, the fact that you do all of those things just, I think, speaks very strongly to that artistic side that you have, mm. that creative side. Uh, we're going to 
wrap it up shortly, but I wanted to ask you both, is there any memorable, in your case, Murrin, role that you've played, in your case, Patrick's song that you've performed or uh, produced or that, that's in the pipeline? Any kind of key artistic moments for, for both of you? I'll start maybe with Patrick's nodding his head. I think he can think of something. <laughs> um a, a few recently like I, I mean I, I think it's any time when I get to share and break down a little gap yeah. that happens to me so um, when you're talking about diversifying and stuff like that and your interests like um, like saying I'm a musician I, I don't know what to call myself which feeds into the the image ego problem that we can have as artists um, I was just in Nina Art Centre yesterday installing the Phantom Groove Box, which is a spooky synthesizer with a light show that reacts and is going to be there for their Sploder Festival. And I'm also working on a piece for um, Waterford Healing Arts Trust, which I'm going to be installing down there. And it's a kind of a an ever-evolving soundscape that's going to be moved around the hospital and little moments of aural respite and stimulation and inspiration you can find around the place. And every time I go to do one of these projects, um, it's kind of, it's frightening at the start because I don't really know what the, you know, the precedent for it is, or I don't have another person who's doing this stuff to sit down and talk with. But by the time at the end, when somebody actually kind of interacts with it and feels something and just plays with it, it that that's the time that sucks me back in. It's always worth it when I Something's hear those. Yeah. But isn't that really art at its best for your... It's not you can't really box or label yourself anymore because you're going with wherever the project takes you, wherever that creative juices flow you're you're following, which I think it's fabulous. It is fabulous when you have somebody as eloquent as you <laughs> saying that to you every now and again because you go, Oh yes, it is. Actually yes, I should great. enjoy this. I just, why don't you invite us in someday when we're on the floor with with anxiety thinking <laughs> of what am I doing with my life? It's but a coin toss though, isn't it? it? That could have been today. It could have been yeah. today. But I think when you start to speak about what you love, that goes out the window. Mm. Had you been yeah. there before you came into the studio I think it would have been gone favourite role for yourself um, oh I, uh, I don't well, one of the dream roles I've always wanted to play was uh, Moya or Myra in Translations and Barnstorm here locally did that a couple of years ago and I joined the cast and I played her I felt I was too old um, it was a clunky experience, experience for me because it was the first time to be directed uh, after having my son who was about two at the time I found that that disconnect between being a mom and then being an actress very difficult and sometimes going up to rehearsal I struggled with even getting feedback and director I was like Ooh. it was I found it a difficult process but an, a, an important process and part of chipping away at well where's the artist there where, where where's the actor and get your get your stuff together because at the end of the day you have to get on that stage and make a performance you know um but I loved it. Another one actually was a in Man of La Mancha with the before I went off to study acting, before I left the teaching profession, I was with the Kenny Musical Society and I played Aldonza in the Man of La Mancha. That was amazing. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't trained or anything, but I What was just, amazing about it? It was such a diverse, big, meaty emotional part you know she's assaulted in the middle of it she's a servant girl this ma old man comes along and sees her beauty oh my god at one point he's dying on stage and my my job as an actress was just to kind of hold him and talk to him and sing to him I, I can't remember the details but <laughs> one of the nights I was sobbing the tears rolling down my face and I couldn't get it together and afterwards David Heffernan was playing the older man and uh, Don Quixote and David goes that was a bit much, dear. Wasn't it? I was like, yeah, it was. I couldn't contain it. Now, 
That's you need the difference to channel that. You need to channel well, yeah. that. For yeah, the, for the next the one, weeping right. that you're looking for now. Yeah, you're but right. uh, you, I, I don't know if you can force that. I mean, I really don't. And we've all seen productions where somebody is forcing something yeah, yeah. that's not there, and it's that's just it is yeah. not something that's nice to watch. I could talk to you both all night long, yeah. but unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not allowed. <laughs> um, what a pleasure, Patrick McGlynn. Music maker. Do you like that title? I think it's rapidly becoming more just maker, I suppose. I make, I make stuff. I make things. Art yeah. maker. Well, yeah, what yeah. a fantastic title. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, mm. and whatever else is to come with it. And Murren Highland Ryan. Ryan Highland. Ryan Highland. I've got it wrong again. <laughs> you see, I get it, get it half right, but I don't quite go over the line. Exactly. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you Thanks both so much for coming in this evening and sharing your art and your love of art. And I think you've inspired a lot of people. You've definitely inspired me. No talent to go with it but what are you going to do? This is The Art Show on KCLR with Unanivaldenig. You're very welcome back. Now, Myrna stayed with us because I like to get value for money from my guests. And it is the birthday of Patrick Cavanagh this month, not for a couple of weeks, but nonetheless, there's a lovely poem that she's going to read for us. It's one of his finest, in my opinion. I've got a personal reason for loving this poem. And Myrna, you're going to give us memory of my father. Every old man I see reminds me of my father. When he had fallen in love with death, one time when sheaves were gathered. That man I saw in Gardner Street stumble on the curb was one. He stared at me half-eyed. I might have been his son. And I remember the musician faltering over his fiddle in Bayswater, London. He too set me the riddle. Every old man I see in October coloured weather seems to say to me, I was once your father. That was absolutely beautiful. When I got your name right, I turned off my mic. We're in Ryan Highland. Thank you so much. That is in memory of Patrick Kavanagh, who celebrated or would have celebrated, should I say, his birthday this month. There are a couple of things coming to Kilkenny and Carlo over the next week that I wanted to mention. Going to the Watergate first up from next Monday and running until the 20th of October, Barnstorm Theatre that Murin mentioned just a moment ago. They're bringing us Noah Barley Water Runs Away. There are performances for schools and families and times do vary a little bit. So have a look at the Watergate website for a little bit more on that. Moving to Carlo and this Friday night in the visual we have Bruised Orange. They're um, a John Prine tribute band and coincidentally today would have been John Prine's birthday. He was born on October the 10th in 1946. So if you like his music, um, the visual is a place to be this Friday night. The next Monday, any teachers or students listening might be interested in the fact that On Trail is coming. Um, Now where is that coming? It's the visual again I think. I've confused myself here. But anyway, it's apparently um, a version of it that you've never seen before with puppets and high entertainment and engaging engaging visuals. So that should be really good. And there was something that caught my eye that I thought looked absolutely fabulous. In St. Canis's, there's going to be a series of lunchtime talks. They've actually already started, but there are three more to come uh, this month. So on October the 13th, author Neve Boyce is reading from Her Kind. That's the Kittler witchcraft trial book that she wrote. On October the 20th, Regina Fitzpatrick, the heritage officer with Kaka County Council. She's doing a beautiful talk on memory and place. And then on October 27th, James Sherman. I can't remember exactly what his topic is, but he's one of the cathedral guides there. So I'm sure it'll be something fabulously interesting as well. They take place from one to two um, and eight euro and it includes a light lunch. So I think there's loads to enjoy there. That's almost it for this week. I wanted to finish off this evening with a little piece of music because 
uh, today would also have been the birthday of Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi, who was one of the few composers, they say, whose genius was recognised while he was alive. And many would consider him to be the greatest of all Italian opera composers. I don't know if that's true or not, but we can mull over it as we enjoy one of his best known works. This is another late great, actually, it's Pavarotti singing Brindisi. Anyone that speaks Italian, please correct. Don't correct my pronunciation. It uh, is from Traviata, La Traviata, and it is Drinking Song. And I will say Sloan. The Art Show on KCLR with Una Niefel Downing. With thanks to Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland.